to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. It's the most euphoric and debilitating and brutally terrifying thing you'll ever experience. Like, and we're talking about this moment to moment, you know? Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. Finally, three and a half months later, I am recording my birth story. I wanted to do this in the first six weeks, but the universe and COVID had other plans. This is a three-part story. You're going to hear about my birth from my perspective, from my husband Benji's, and my doula Danae's point of view of what went down June 15th. I'm hearing this for the first time along with you all. I asked my beautiful friend Alison to interview me today, as well as my husband and Danae. I'm so grateful for her. She has a beautiful mind and has asked such beautiful questions. I want to add that this is my birth story. It is not perfect, like birth stories often aren't. And I want to acknowledge every other birth story that exists. They're all powerful, relevant and perfect in their own way. And it really doesn't matter how our babies are born into this world. We're just grateful that they're born healthy, happy and well. I also just wanted to mention that I missed out on a lockdown birth by about a week. And I'm so grateful for that. You'll hear that today. But I just want to acknowledge that that hasn't been easy for everybody. And I'm sending out my sincerest love to you all if you didn't get the birth that you wanted or you deserved. I hope you enjoy it. This is going to go for over three weeks. Love to hear your thoughts, slide into our DMs. We'll then have a week break and then we're back to the deep regular programming. Today you're going to hear my birth story, so I'll let Alison take it away. We won't stay on this long, but I did want to start with your blessing way. Mm. And the reason I want to start with that is I felt a different kind of sort of reverence from you that day. Like you were on your knees a bit and you were a lot quieter than usual. 
So I just wanted to talk about that. Like, what were you feeling at that time? Like so overwhelmed, so overwhelmed, kind of like, what have I got myself into Mm -hmm. and how, like, I can remember it so well. Will I sink or swim was pretty much how I was feeling. And I was so stuck in the, like the not knowing and the lack of control and the, like I couldn't find any beauty in what was about to arrive. Like I was just really bogged down by the overwhelm, I think. And that's why the blessing way was such an important day for me because I needed my women to reach in and pull me out of that and remind me of who I was because I had forgotten. Mm. That was a big day. Can I ask you a question about your mum? Because mm. we spoke about her that day and yeah. I remember you said that you were scared that yours and Eva's bond wouldn't be as deep and intense as the bond you had with your mum. Yeah. And I guess I want to sort of talk about on the other side, you know, those fears weren't realised. It's so strange because it was just such a trigger when I found out I was having a little girl that the relationship I had with my mum was so incredible, like so unique and I just didn't how it was like fuck how how are we gonna have that like that's impossible and I really had to work with my therapist around that because I felt like immediately I was letting this little girl down because I there was no way I could be or give her what my mum could be or give me and that was just a huge challenge through my pregnancy that I would be enough I think. Well, I was going to say, did that come from a place of not wanting, like having lost that love before, you're almost too scared to give it? Maybe. I don't, until you just said that, I don't think I actually realised what that, yeah. I think that having something taken from you that was that special yeah, like it's, I still can't realise it. Like her death, I still can't realise that in its full capacity. So, yeah, that's very complex. Like just that whole dynamic of that relationship, losing that relationship, having a daughter, who am I going to be to her, never wanting to leave her. Like everything is so, like I've realised so much of my mother's love for me through ever being born and also the pain of her having to leave like on her side Mm. like yeah so it's just there's just a lot it's just a lot there how do we navigate it I don't know um So staying with the blessing way and then we're going to move on to the birth. Um, One of the things you were asking the other mums about that had more than one baby or child was how to navigate but also how to thrive going from Mm. one to two. 
Mm-hmm. And I know we're only early, but like share with us what you've learned so far. And look, I'm still having this conversation with you in a apartment in the Gold Coast, like away from my home and my support system. God, like it's so hard. <laughs> like yeah. it's just so hard being away from your people with two children and people do it all over the world every day. Um, and I don't want to sound like a, like a negative Nazi, but I just can't wait to get home to my people that can just help me breathe better. Because mm. even though I have some like helping hands here, I don't know them well enough that I can just like surrender and drop to my knees and fall apart. Like I still need to be the one on top of it all. Um, and I think it's just going to be such a relief when I get home to just fall apart if I need to, or just have a cry or just be in bed or d- like, yeah, you know, like, cause since I've been here since ever was five weeks. And so what has helped was knowing that I'm not alone in the chaos of it all. Um, like there is double the love. Don't get me wrong. There is so much exquisiteness to it. It's just I don't get a breath in between to actually enjoy it like I should be because, you know, Fox is three and a half and 100 miles an hour and I want to turn up for him and, like, give him everything I've got. But I'm also so depleted from having a three-month-old baby that it's just like, you know, the pull between the two. Like, forget Benj and I. Like, I don't even know who that yeah. guy is. <laughs> <laughs> and forget me. Like, me wanting to go to Pilates, which is, just sounds so fancy and, like, frivolous and, like, a luxury. <laughs> um, and forget me seeing any friends or, like, having a lunch, you know, because or even eating lunch some days, mm. like just a, like a sandwich or a piece of toast, like so much of it. And that's okay. Like I think what I learned from the blessing way and what I've learned living it is the full surrender of it is a season and it is so beautiful and I don't want to rush any moments of my time with Eva and I don't want to rush any of Fox's three-year-old being a maniac. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's, really fucking intense but at the same time I don't want to rush any of it because it's going to be gone and I want to sink into it and surrender so I'm still in my pajamas while I'm talking to you that's also (laughs) okay all of it's just okay and I think I'm better this time around at just surrender which is a huge like lesson from the birth too like you know Mm. I feel that from you there's a different quality your energy has a different quality this time Yes. Um, and I absolutely. guess there's the knowing of having been there before that ultimately everything's going to be okay and that this is designed to work out. The birth with Fox was so different to ever. And I did learn a lot from that experience. But at the same time, I had no idea what was coming with the second birth which is so strange because I've done it before. But when you take out intervention and drugs, it's like, holy moly, you know? Like the recovery, everything is so vastly different. 
like it's actually it was easier the recovery was less painful with fox because of the numbing from down there you know Mm. I want to talk about those final days before her birth and what I remember about that is how good you felt you were like jumping out of your skin you had so much energy I think you were mate less than a week away and I remember I was the same at the end of my birth. Like it wasn't like, oh, I'm so pregnant and heavy and did it get this baby out. You were just so full of life and I think the joy of the possibility. And and you know what? I remember walking to you and I had been on the phone to my doula who didn't end up being my doula on the day. And I had said to her that I felt really comfortable having intervention and having drugs, all the drugs. I wanted every drug. And I had to have that conversation with her because, you know, when you do employ a doula to support you, it generally does have that kind of undertone of it all being natural and, like, hitting totally. them up. And I needed her to know that I, my experience with Fox, I just wanted more peace and ease and pleasure, which is such a funny way to enter your birth. Um, but I had to kind of break that to her. And she was so fine with it. Like, she was like, I can do whatever birth you want me to do, but I have this thing that I have to break it to her. And so I think I felt like, fuck yeah, I'm going to have fun at this birth and it is going to be like pleasure and I'm going to get all the drugs. And I felt, I think, a release. And I, that's why I was probably in a really good place too because I didn't feel like there were any expectations of me to turn up to my birth in any way. This is huge, and I don't think we talk about this enough, the pressure on mums-to-be pregnant women to almost perform at the Mm. birth, like you have to go Mm. through this rite of passage, and if you don't, you somehow wussed out or that it wasn't, you know, a real birth. Like, Yes. What do you think about that? That was where I entered with Fox in the birthing suite. Well, actually, even leading up to that because – Things were taken out of my control when I was told I had to be induced with him because he would not come out. And I had the vision of, like, sweating, you know, pacing the room, like primal screaming and, like, you know, Enya in the background (laughs) and, like, the lights dimmed and, like, people holding on to, like, all my limbs and me writhing and like it and then you know fox being born and me like crying and joyful with his blood smeared all over me like that was my intention for my first birth didn't get that um and so when it was all induced and I was then you know I thought I don't know how much we've covered this but I fought that fucking Sintocinin for 10 hours Mm. and that motherfucker got me in the end and I got the epidural and I have never been more impressed by a decision in my life. Um, Mm. My body went from two centimetres fighting that Sintocinin for 10 hours to 10 centimetres in 20 minutes. And I was pushing him out. Like it was very fast once I got that epidural to kind of relax me. And, um, but I was on all four. I mean, I was on my back, Mm. you know, and all the things that you hear and read about, you know, these ecstatic births and whatever is like, you're not on your back and it's like closing the passage down. And then we needed to cut me and we needed to use 
the vacuum, um, you know, all of the things. And that was fine. Like he came out healthy and I still experienced labor, which was a goal of mine. And I didn't feel like I failed. I still felt empowered by that birth. It just wasn't what I learned about and what was on my vision board, you know? Mm. So when I didn't think I'd have more children, so that was my birth experience and that was what it was going to be. And then with Eva, I thought, okay, let's just have pleasure because you fought that syntocin and like a dickhead for way too long. <laughs> like you're going to have to get induced again because you've got the gestational diabetes. Um, so let's just go, like, let's not muck around. And also leading up, I'm so annoyed, leading up to the birth, the induction date with Eva, Fox came home with a snotty nose. And so I was feeling very run down. I was taking all the supplements. I was feeling super run down. And they got me in to, I just didn't want to go to hospital overnight Mm. to get the gel. And I just felt unwell. And I just wanted to feel well to give birth. I was like, who wants to be run down in giving birth? Like, come on. I had itchy throat. I was a bit achy. I was like, fucking hell. So I don't know who's listening that's had the gel tape put in, but that is horrific. Like, I know I sound dramatic, but I needed gas for that. It's like a strip, a long strip of plastic that is, like, painful to put up your fanny. Like, imagine a sharp, like, ruler, a thin ruler jabbing into your pussy. Like, it's so painful. And I think the other thing about that is, like, you know, it's so closed to protect the life inside you and so there's it's that so closed you know it's what not I mean? being it's not even being penetrated for ages yeah like it's the hole has shrunk and then you want to jam this fucking strip of plastic in me it was oh I still get the shivers they gave me the because then you're clenching even tighter because mm. you're in pain and you're stressed they're giving me the gas fucking hell it was awful Awful, awful. And I felt sick. And you know when you're not you're feeling sick and you don't want to be touched and they're jamming this thing in me. Anyway, I was just pissed. Um, so I had that in me, feeling a little vulnerable and a little sore and annoyed. Didn't have Ben with me because he was with Fox. So I'm in this room and I'm just trying to get my mind right. And that's the thing, isn't it? You like you like I gotta get my mind right. I've gotta get my mind right, girl. Like it is <laughs> It is happening, whether you like it or not. So let's try and, like, make it work. And then I couldn't sleep, and I knew I wouldn't have been able to. And so they give me the – they were like, look, I had some, like, I guess baby contractions. And they were like, look, would you like some Panadine Fort and some (laughs) sleeping tablets? But, like, Panadine Fort as well, I was like, that's really heavy, and that's going to make me constipated. And then sleeping tablets. Like we've gone from zero to like a lot of sleeping aids. Anyway, mm. I tried to like be responsible and like separate them. And then by midnight I was like, just give it all to me. Then called them back at 2 hours. I was like, nothing is working. I can't get to sleep. I was like, give me my shitty rest of it, which is like an antihistamine that I was taking during my pregnancy for nausea. And I took 
like a tablet of that knocked me out. I was like, why did I take the Tamaz when I could have just had that? Anyway, I um, fell asleep finally and then Chris comes in, God bless him. I give him such a hard time, smart obstetrician. And he's like, we're going to break your waters. I was like, Chris, this is very deja vu, you know, the box. And he's like, let's just break him. We'll see what happens. And I was like, I was like, look, I don't feel great today. Could we do this another day? He's like, we absolutely cannot. I said, okay, then can you bring the anaesthetist in? Because I just want to get the epidural. I don't really want to do this. So let's just make it easy. Just bring her in. So he breaks my waters. Also very painful. Thank you mm. very much. I do that on the gas. People are like thinking you're such a little pussy. Pussies are very strong, by the way. So um, the anaesthetist comes in with Chris and she's like, what do you want to do? I was like, I want it all. and I want it soon. Give it to me. She's like, great. So I've got some like other appointments that I'll give you about an hour and then we'll make a plan of like if you want me to just start it up. She was so sweet, so lovely. I asked all the questions about, you know, being a paraplegic and like all the things like she, you know, she's like, well, there is risk. And cause people generally don't even ask. She's like, no one really like talks about in this much depth, but there are risks. And I was like, okay, it's all good. And um, did, you ask, did you ask that question? Like, have you ever made any? <laughs> and she was like, absolutely not. Um, but you should ask all these questions. So then she leaves and I'm starting to get like, good contractions, like I'm feeling them, they feel natural, they're not syntocin and brought on. And I'm like, Benj, this feels okay. Like, I think I could like work with this. And he's like, we just booked the epidural in. I was like, I know, but I, let's just go for a little walk. And so he was like, okay. And I get up and I was like, let's just go downstairs in the lift and like go for a bit of a walk around and then come back up. And we get to the lift. I'm like, oh, no, we can't walk that far. Let's go back (laughs) to the room. And they started like they were quite active. And I was like, but I was still having a good time. Well, this is what I love is, and I know you haven't heard my chat with Benji yet, but he said there was a distinct moment where he could see you were enjoying yourself. <laughs> and that, that was so different, obviously, because with the syntocin, they're obviously artificial contractions. So they're not natural in, in any way. No. But so you got to experience the, the, like a, how do we talk about that? Like a. It's a different level. Like, so I think when the syntocin starts, you do have that kind of, uh, like, there's a level of, coping and enjoying them that it is on par Mm. I guess the difference between the two is what the natural contraction allows you to do is have momentary rest and breath which the Mm. syntocin doesn't allow it's just like one after the other after the other after the other so you can pray to God and all your angels and Mother Earth, whoever your God is, in those moments of real labour in the lulls, you can you can kind of get enough breath and strength back for the next surge, if that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas syntocin and you just, you, you, there's no winning there. Um, and I know a lot of people do birth 
without epidurals with Santosin and, and that's incredible and they're heroes, but that wasn't my experience. Um, so I was enjoying it and I thought I just said to him, like it was very strange for him, I think, and all the doctors because we booked in the epidural and then I said, look, call Danae who had only been my doula for a week prior to this because my doula that I'd worked with with Fox had a cold mm. and I was, you know me, I'm a germaphobe. I was like, sorry, lady, you cannot come in the room. And she completely understood. So Danae had worked with my friend Mandy and she had done a VBAC with Danae. And I'd met Danae at Mandy's Blessing Way and just got really good vibes off her, had a phone call with her, one phone call, and then she was my doula. And I called her the night before and I said, look, I'm still going to get all the drugs. I probably won't need you. She's like, yeah, if you get all the drugs, don't worry about me. She's like, but call me anyway in the morning. Let me know how you go. So I call her and I said, look, it's coming on naturally. I would love you to just come on up. She's like, sure, I'll come up. And I think when Danae arrived, like in all black, like a ninja, like a birthing fucking (sighs) ninja support woman, like not in a flowy like dress, she came in. Ready to work. And she has been kickboxing. Like her physique is mm. ready to get you there. Denied. <laughs> she came in and she was like, where are we at? She's like, do you mind if I just set up some things? And she kind of like, I had the shrine to my mum already set, which sounds super weird. It's not just my mum, but it was like my support shrine from all of you guys, all of mm. your love letters and notes to me and your crystals and my flowers and my mom, everything was set up there. And then she just like tweaked and like had some fairy lights and um, some affirmations. And she was like, so where are we at? And I was like, we are, I feeling like I could do this. And she's like, yeah, you fucking can. And I was like, can I though? And she's like, <laughs> yes, you can. Um, and that was the turning point of like cancel the aperture. Well, no, don't cancel it. I said to her, keep it there. Like let's just keep it at arm's length. I just want to know I've got it. She's like, absolutely. And then she, and you'll have to talk to her about this, really brings in some fucking ancient wisdom and technique that shifted the day like incredible what is this so she was watching me and I had this incredible midwife that loved Danae's the way Danae was working and was so about it and she had done like spinning babies and things like that which is I believe turning babies around to have like the optimum birthing position Mm. she was watching Danae watching me labor and the contractions and the timings and things and she said to me and I don't know what time of day this was or how long we had been going but she was like I've been watching you a little while and my thought is these contractions are inconsistent and I think baby's chin is stuck how did she know I know I guess she measured up all of these things with the timings of my contractions the spaces in between and the way I was moving things and she said I want to do a technique with you which will just move her chin into position into optimum position 
and it's going to feel quite yucky. And I just want to know if you want to do that because it will really, like, we can get this labour really moving. I was like, let's move it. So I'll let her talk you through that technique because I won't give it justice. Uh, But on my, like, what my experience was of it was, so when you are having a contraction, a lot of the time you will want to (laughs) contract as well with it into a ball um she wanted me standing she wanted my feet my soles on the on the ground which is very hard in a contraction we go into our uh, the balls of our feet right so full flat feet she wanted Benji behind me she wanted me to stay upright and she was going to lift my belly up in a position and then place it back down through different counts of 10 and we had to do this 10 times. It's quite physical. It's very physical on her part. And it fucking hurt. Like it was uncomfortable to begin with and then it started to really intensify. Mm. And so she was monitoring the times in between and she was like, we have about six repetitions of this to get it right. Um, for the other four, so you do it ten times for the other four to be where I want it to be for your labour to really, like, escalate. Um, so she's like, I just, like, we need to do it on time, you know, whether you're feeling like you, because I by the seventh one you're just like, I don't want to do this. I'm fucking done. Um, and we did it and she, it, the labour went from, you know, zero to 100 from then. After the gel and after the waters, I was like, no more fingers. No Mm. one can touch me down there. And she was like, cool. But then I was like, how the fuck do we know how dilated I am? (laughs) You know? Yeah. And she was like, I know. She goes, you have a silver line between your butt cheeks on the base of your tailbone where your butt and your tailbone meet. A silver line appears. And however many centimetres there is on that line is how many centimetres you are dilated please check that I'm right in saying that, but I believe that is it. Some women have a purple to red line, but because I'm of olive skin, my line was silver and I've got a picture of it in my phone. This is incredible. She's going to blow your fucking mind. So she takes a picture and she's like, I reckon we're at about seven centimetres. Um, this is obviously time had passed since she'd done that move, um, but that's how she gauged it. And I didn't have to have any more fingers in me, which was such 
a gift. Yeah. I have to say, though, like there were times throughout it that the Taipei personality in me was like, I need to fucking know where we're at. Yeah. Like this is just like this feels like it's forever. Um, we got into the shower. That was really great for a while with Benj. Then I got out and then we were moving and then I got on the bed. I feel like I was on the bed, like perched up. So you know how those hospital beds come upwards? I was kind of hanging over the top of it, kneeling. Yes, like on all fours but over it, yeah. Over the top and I was gassing my slack. I was having the gas, which was really just a novelty, like really didn't do much for anything. I just well, I was, was going to of... ask about the gas, like mm. what's the feeling and experience of the gas for you? It's more of a distraction than anything else. Like it doesn't take your pain away. It's I wouldn't say it's pain relief. It's just a distraction. So I was sucking on this gas and things were, I mean, this part of the birth was just where it got really real. Mm, I'm thinking at seven centimetres you're like in transition. <sighs> like I was out of, like not out of control to, the, uh, to where the end part of the birth is, but I was like so far gone, you know, like I couldn't get the epidural anymore. I had committed to this. I was fucking nervous about what was coming. I felt like I was losing my power, which I guess is a part of transition. Mm. But I needed my mum. Mm. I needed my mum so bad. I was crying for my mum and I I just started to feel like how does anybody know what to do, you know? Mm. Like the certainty I had at the beginning of the day didn't feel so certain and I had Benj there and I had Danae and I had this midwife and they were all so well-equipped, but I was like, you don't know me. I need my mum. You don't know what's happening for me. You don't unconditionally love me. You either, Benj, you don't fucking know. And it was this weird thing of like falling apart and then having a moment of respite in between these contractions where I would hear the song in the background, which was all hip hop, right? Was it? <laughs> it was all hip hop. I think I, I could hear like the gold digger start, she take my money. And I was like, <laughs> yes. I was like, and then I'm dancing, right? And I was just like, fucking turn it up. Like I can, like, it was the weird. And then it was like, it's coming again. It's coming again. It's coming again. And it would be like, I can just feel the women that have had to birth in developing countries or third world countries without anybody, without assistance, without medical support, mm. without clean water. Like I could, it was just like I'm thinking about these women and I'm crying for them and I'm feeling ungrateful for being in this hospital and I'm crying for these women and then I get another surge of relief and, you know, I love my husband in that moment and I'm so grateful for him and I miss my son. Oh, my God, I miss my boy and I'm crying for my boy and what have I done? I'm, like, bringing this sibling in and he's going to be all fucked up about it. And then, you know, this, like, 
this like next surge comes of like um or this lull comes where I can breathe again and it's like we're cracking a joke about something (laughs) and then it's just this really bizarre world of like understanding every woman that has ever existed in this moment and then being with me like it feels very spiritual and woo-woo and universal Mm. and I feel so fucking held because they've survived that and then there's the terror of so many women didn't fucking survive they died you Mm. know so many women lost their lives and still do to childbirth and so it uh, like it's the most euphoric and debilitating and brutally terrifying thing you'll ever experience. Like, and we're talking about this moment to moment, you know? Yeah, like minute to minute. Oh, yeah. And, and then I was just like fucking done, Danae. Like I'm fucking done. And she's like, we are so close. And I was so fucking done with her saying we're so close. <laughs> we have been so close for so long. Like we've been so close for a fucking hour. We are not close. We are not fucking close. And then I started to feel like she's like, you need to let go. And I was like, because I am, <laughs> I've never farted in front of my husband except after the epidural with Fox and it's some, it slipped out and I didn't even know it was me. I've never farted in front of my husband. I've, he doesn't know my bowel movements. I'm me very <laughs> private with that. And she's like, you need to let go. And I was like, I knew that there was a stage for me to pass through and it was that it was a part of shame that I had to move through. It, it was like, now we reach the shame element of today <laughs> and I was just like really of today's holding- tour <laughs> yes <laughs> and it was like I have to fucking I fucking don't want to and she's like you need to fucking let this go you need to fucking let it go and I was like I can't then be in fucking bright lights on the bed with you mm. and all my fucking my assholes out my pussies out no I need to get yeah. low and Benji needs to be in front of me and I like if I'm letting go and I fucking shit everywhere and I piss everywhere or I blood everywhere. Like I can't, I just need to do it with a bit more, like I need to be lower. So I got off the bed. I got onto this kind of cushiony mat thing on the floor with like some sheets underneath. And I fucking, I can feel it. I got so nervous because I was like, fuck, 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 we're fucking here. And she's like, I just need you to let it go. Please let it go. And I did. And I was like, am I pissing? All this water was coming out. She's like, no, girl, you're just, this is all good. This is what you need to let go of. You need to let go of it. I was like, I think I'm pissing. She's like, it's not, it's not. And then she's like, I just need you to release, okay? And I could see from under me, Chris's Crocs or fucking whatever those doctor shoes are. (laughs) (laughs) And I had, like, I was like, fuck, we've arrived, you know, because they come in. He's here. He's here. He's fucking here. And I, but I was scared at the same time because I was like, I don't know how much 
more I can let go. Like I might break, like I might die. I might split and die. And I, I just don't, I don't know. And I remember being on all fours, just saying, help me, help me. You've got to help, 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 help. I can't, I can't help, help. And she was like, you, I just want you to lean, um, like on your haunches. So you say it. And just fucking push and just bear down and fucking let it out. And I did. I felt like I was shitting. Mm. And I felt like my body was splitting in half, like my asshole, excuse me, all the way to my vagina, all the way to my stomach, all the way to my lungs, into my brain was splitting. And I felt this fucking monster, this beast, enter my body Mm. and release or birth this baby. Like it was so fucking primal. The noises I've never heard. And it was I, I, I had surrendered in that moment to die or to split or to break. And that beast took over. And... I remember her head coming out and touching it and Chris being behind me and going, I just, he was like, I need to grab her. I need to assist her shoulder. And I was like in my head, get your fucking hand out of there. And she then slipped into my hands underneath my body. So I was on the all fours Mm. and I was just like this pasty white vernixty angel was in my hands and it was done. Like it, it was done. And the pain stops in that moment. It's like, yeah, it was just like fucking done. And, and I was just like, I was so shocked by it. And I that swear I saw it? the whole thing. Mm. The whole, how we arrived there from the meeting with the epidural, the anesthetist, can't say that. I just didn't know how I fucking arrived. And then I swore, I was like, I can see poop. Get the head off the poop. <laughs> and Danae, like, did this one swift, like, sweep of the sheets. And um, I was, like, there with this baby, this umbilical cord still hanging out of me, attached to me. And she was peace. She was an angel. She was peaceful. She was not one noise. I think I must have terrified her with that screaming. There was nothing. She was just so peaceful. And I was a little bit like, should she cry now? Like, they're like, no, she's perfect. She's so perfect. And they were like, we want to get you over to the bed. I was like, absolutely not absolutely not standing up are you how will I ever walk again like like... (laughs) and they're like hold your baby really really tight and we're gonna all assist you to the bed and she's still attached still attached still the placenta is inside 
and she's on me and I'm just looking at her and she's so creamy, like so vernixy. I think like her little eyes, poor things, like hardly can open because she's like they're stuck together. Can I just add one thing um, which I thought was so beautiful and interesting is Benji described the polarity of you screaming this primal, these noises he'd never heard before. And then literally the moment she was in your arms, you moved into mother and you went really soft and really quiet. And he said, all that stuff that was on her, all that vernix, she didn't care. She just kissed her all over. And and I just thought that was so beautifully observant of him and for him to be able to articulate that as well. I've never heard that either. I actually never even thought of that perspective that's a really nice beautiful observation and they are now like Chris is like look I have to stitch you up real quick and I was like fuck no you are not touching me oh no way he's like I'm gonna put some anesthetic down there I was like you're not fucking putting a needle no no fucking needle he's like you will definitely want the needle and I swear it was maybe four needles, <sighs> maybe like four pinpricks or six pinpricks around my vagina, around my butt. So like delicate and stings. Oh. oh, my God. I was so angry at him. And um, he's dabbing me with this cloth. And I'm like, stop it. You're dragging <laughs> that cloth down. You're hurting me. He's like, I'm literally tapping, like, patting you so I was like stop it (laughs) poor thing he's like now I need to you're gonna hate me I need to go in I need to remove some blood clots no 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 and he's sticking his fingers in and he's pulling these clots out and he's I mean that like that was a lot and like compared to fox like having the epidural down there because that stuff all happens but you don't feel it you know Mm. um and he needed to get the clots out because you know you can get infection and things but I was so mean to that poor man during that time and um finally I'm stitched up and oh sorry no the placenta obviously came out um did you get the needle to get I think so I think so yeah because um and that wasn't a big deal. Like, mm. I, yeah, but I remember just wanting to look at this placenta because obviously it had supported Eva, but it had given me such a hard time with my diabetes that I just <laughs> needed to see it and touch it. And it was the most extraordinary looking thing, you know, Um and then I was done with it. I didn't make it into capsules or smoothies like the first time. I was like, See you later. Nice to know you. I'm done with you. Yeah, Um, I respect you. Thank you. We're done. Yeah. And then, you know, I had this time with my baby who is still such a chiller. And I do think the way that you birth your children has a lot to do with who they are. Like we've discussed that ourselves. Um, And I think she feels really well supported by me. And she trusts me, you know, and I know lots of babies do, um, but I mean that in relation to the birth because 
it was her and I, like we were working together. She, she was a part of that as much as I was. And so I feel this real synchronicity with her that I don't maybe even have with Fox at times because it was such a different experience and I wasn't trusting my body as much with Fox, if that makes sense. It does. But I think one of the greatest lessons that I took from it that really was profound for me and mind-boggling was I understood the patriarchy while I was birthing, like in its most simplest context. Like I understood how men over the years could be so terrified of women when they watch them birth like that. We better keep them silent. <laughs> yes, we, let's keep them small. Let's keep them silent. Let's suppress because fucking women, we birth. Oh, my God, we birth. I do feel empowered by that birth as much as that last part will never leave me in a good and bad way. I feel so empowered that I do feel like I can do a lot more than I give myself credit for because of that experience, you know. In the letting go. In the letting go and the taking myself to that extreme. And not dying. Yeah. And I also don't, I said to Danae, I couldn't have had a home birth. I had to have every option available to me Mm -hmm. in that room because I know lots of people are for that world. And, you know, the midwives that were looking after me after said, you are the minority here. It's majority C-sections and then epidurals. Um, We just don't have that kind of education for women to want to birth without drugs anymore. Um, And I think that birthing assistants like Danae, like there is no way I could have done that without her. Benji said the same thing. And or Benji, but more Danae. There's absolutely, she had, she had wizardry, you know, like, and that's so incredible because you have this moment with this, like just these women surrounding you that know women's work. Yeah. and know what you can do and that she has witnessed this over and over and over again and it's like there is such power in birthing a woman with women witnesses and women support women's support you know like they are all a part of this well it goes back to what you were saying at the beginning that you can't really fall apart right now But when you're in a room with a doula and a midwife, they are your permission slip to let go and fall apart because they can catch you, you know. And this is the thing about doulas, right? Like, you know, it gets wrapped up in this whole like that it's some sort of like spiritual woo-woo thing when actually it's the opposite of that. (laughs) It's not. It's the basics. It's literally the basics. It's the basic thing you need to give birth in a healthy environment. And if that one, if you do want to do that in a hospital where you have an epidural at arm's length or you have, if something went wrong, because my thing was like, if something goes wrong and I'm too far from a hospital, like you can have all of those assurances, you know, but I, there is no better money spent than on a birthing support person 
however you want to call that, you know. I think we should acknowledge here, like, which was our situation as well, that COVID has taken that away from a lot of women. And I think that would be very hard to reconcile that you can't have that support in the room. And I, and I think that is like not only an injustice, but it is taking away a human right, like to not have the support you need in the room on this one day, in this one time of your life, is incredibly difficult and I acknowledge how lucky I am. I I was right in the middle of both lockdowns. Well, well, what happened on day four, masks started to come in. Like, so I was in the hospital, must have been day three or day four. We had to wear masks. So it was just starting again as I was in the hospital. And I will always be grateful to have Danae in that room. And I had a birthing photographer, which is just like, unheard of right now you know mm. I'm incredibly grateful for that but birth photographer aside like not having Danae oh yeah I don't know we, we'd be we'd be having a very different conversation I think I would feel completely different at the same time this is nature's design and you were deserving and this is what was relevant for you and it's just that delicate dance isn't it of having gratitude but at the same time knowing that that was also meant for you um yeah love to have that birth yeah and look maybe I still would have tried it um but I don't know if I would have trusted just Benjamin the midwife to take me there yes, yes. oh man I can't wait to talk to today <laughs> oh I can't wait like I can't wait to hear her version of this as well because she's yes. done so many. And, like, I do, I did feel like a bit of a whingy bitch at the end when I was like, how long? You know, like. But that's like part you of promised. your um, I think, I think there's. Being a whingy very... bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think there's limited people who can get away with that sort of thing, but you do it in a way where we know. Do you know what I mean? Like, we know what you mean and we know that it's not coming from a place where you, you know, are trying to be disruptive or anything like that. It's just your way. It's actually quite charming, I think. Okay, I hope so. (laughs) But she was was brilliant and my recovery was um, obviously tender and sore, still dealing with the fucking constipation, let me tell you, three months on. Oh, God. I know. I don't think I'd get enough water. Anyway, this is TMI for everyone listening. But, um... (laughs) I just how many stitches did you get in the end he didn't tell me but you know the most comical part and I've seen him do it twice now is how long that string is you know like it's like why are you going like his arms length and going down <laughs> arms length like what um but it was it was just it just kind of tore along the same line as where he cut me the first time it wasn't okay. that okay. um so they don't tell you the degree or whatever. Oh, it, he didn't say a degree, which makes me think it wasn't that bad. But Yeah. I think mine called mine an internal graze. Oh, yeah. No, mine was external for sure. Okay. I had the stitches and things. And now here we are. Like, it's... I can hear her. Oh, baby. She's the best. Oh, she is heaven. So now we just get to, like... 
spend the day loving each other. <laughs> yes. I want to ask you quickly before we go about those golden mm. hours and the latch. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting to talk about that and to to understand what it means to advocate for ourselves in that yes. moment. So it was the second most important thing for me to allow her to do the baby crawl to the breast. Yeah. Um, I am a true believer that that has been one of the reasons I've had a successful breastfeeding journey with both kids is because they found the breast on their terms and kind of had that relationship beginning the way they wanted to. And she latched really well to start with and she was well she because of my diabetes she had low blood sugar the first two days so they needed to give her formula which broke my heart um on the second day but that was fine and she restabilized and that was whatever and she's been feeding ever since I did get lazy with the way I was feeding her because I was feeding the a new baby as an older baby, like the way I was feeding her wasn't as a newborn. I was kind of remembering what I was doing Fox towards the end. Mm. So her latch kind of wasn't great when I got home and I struggled and I had to call in, I think it was day, maybe she'd been out, she was a week old and I called this woman who was a lifesaver and she just got it right. You know, all of those things, like you were telling me about all these different devices for the nipples to keep them, like, soft and moist, and she was like, nope, dry those nipples out. No more, you know, anything, creams, dry them out. I want these titties to get hard, these nipples to get hard, Um, because the grazing, I guess, continues to get worse if the skin is moist, which makes perfect Mm. sense in retrospect, and just allowing myself to kind of pump um, and have a break from her her for a little bit. Um, and getting her on the bottle early is really good idea anyway, even if it's your expressed milk, so they will take it later on. Later, yeah. Um, but it was quite excruciating toe curling for, I would say, four weeks. Like, it was hard. And there was a moment where I thought I'd have to give up. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. There was a day and I was in tears with Benj. I was like, I don't think it's going to fucking happen. I couldn't take any more of the pain. But here we are. Here we are. Here we are, my little my little Queenslander baby. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't <laughs> even know she's a Sydney cider. <laughs> she has no idea. And we are just like wrapped up in this love bubble and I'm just kind of on her sleep schedule now, which means I'm inside all day. Oh, you know? I feel you, doll. <laughs> Inside, although little walks here and there, but inside, you know. I mean, we could talk about that. That's a whole other episode. That's another. (laughs) (laughs) What baby episode coming to you? What baby? But she's, look, I have to say, the last three nights, she has slept through the night because of this new schedule. So, um, yeah, praise Jen. I remember you saying to me. Because, like, in those, like, as we started early as well, I guess around 12 weeks, maybe 10 weeks, just gentle, like bringing in some sort of structure to the day and some routine. And I remember you saying to me, the key is to get out of the way because yeah. 
so much of it is our emotions. Yeah. When actually, when you stop and think, what do you need, my baby? You need to sleep. You need to learn to be able to settle yourself when you wake up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to have solid feeding sessions instead of lots of snacking. So when I really started to reason with myself and go, okay, what does my baby need? She needs me to get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> it was so funny last night. I put her down. I put her down. She'd had a really good Arvo nap, which I knew meant she'd be more unsettled for her nighttime sleep. And I put her in there and she was like whinging. She wasn't crying. She was whinging. And I went in and I retucked her and I shushed her and I went back out and she was whinging. And I was watching the monitor and I saw, it was so beautiful, the moment where she was like, I'm going to stop whinging now. And she just like, <laughs> I like know. Rah, rah. and then she was like, she just turned her head and went to sleep. And it was like, if I kept on going in there and picking her up and putting her down, she would have gotten really pissed off. You know, the toss is another, it's another conversation. And we should have it, I reckon, because I'm, I reckon we should. Yeah. Not that you've got enough on your plate right now, darling. I'm all right. Um, what a pleasure and an honor, honestly, like, I mean, what a dream to be able to, you know, also like talk to Benji about things that I know, you know, probably aren't his most favorite public topics (laughs) um but he was absolutely beautiful and perfect and yeah just to be able to give you the space to tell your story I just wish I could have done it earlier but we have really had a bit of disruption yeah so you know I wanted it fresh fresh but I feel like you did take me back to that some of those moments well you know you called me a few days after and what you said on the phone is almost identical to what I heard today. So I think you got it all. I love you. And I thank you so much for holding this space for all of us and, and all of, you know, the listeners as well, because it had to be done and it could only be done by you. Oh, I love you, my boo. Love you. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's the Deep. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi everybody, it is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting, it's quirky, it's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you'll hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.